If uh, if you'll turn with me, we're going to be in reading Daniel seven verses one through twenty eight. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And the four great beasts came up to the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots." And there, in this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man, and the mouth speaking pompous words. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days were seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. I watched then because the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And for the rest of the beast they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one, one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all of this. So he told me and made me known and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even for even forever and ever. Then I wished to know the truth about the four beasts, which was different from all the others. 
exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broke in pieces, and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns which were on its head, and the other horn which came up, before which the three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words of appearance, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue the three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change the times and law. Then the saints shall be given unto his hand for a time and times and half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts, are great, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, and I kept the matter into my heart. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the words that you have for us. We, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we may understand the meanings that you have for us. Please bless Jackie and give him the words of understanding for us. We say these things in your blessed name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Round two, Daniel chapter seven. Anybody ready? Okay. Just so we can kind of uh, <clears throat> go through a little um, remembrance of what we did last time. We, all we looked at were the beasts. Now here's what I want you to gather. A lot of people got confused, so don't. All the beasts in the Bible are the same. You read a book of Revelation, they're all the same. What do I mean they're all the same? Seven heads, ten horns. The very first one we're introduced to is the red dragon called Satan. And it says Satan had seven heads, ten horns. And the symbolism the scripture tells us. This is what the Bible lets, out, lets us know in the book of, of Revelation. Chapter 1 it says, These things that Jesus Christ had signified or signified by his angel. And what that means is that the Bible uses signs and symbols, but it doesn't use them hilter-skelter. Okay? So if it uses it one way, that's, it holds that. You with me? Like sowing the seed of the Word. You hear them talking about sowing the seed? What are we talking about? Word of God going forth. Word of God going forth. 
So we look at the symbols and the signs that Scripture lays out for us, and it helps us to understand what the Bible is letting us, uh, giving us like a, a glimpse of coming events. Now, remember chapter 2. You guys with me? Chapter 2, Daniel, statue, four different kinds of metals, feet of clay mixed with iron. Everybody remember? And I told you, <clears throat> we can get into specifics. We got the head of gold was Babylon, chest of silver, Medo-Persia, bronze was Greece, Iron was Rome, but then you had legs that the iron just slowly kind of began to be mingled with clay and iron, which don't stick together, right? So we said, all the kingdoms of man are always changing and they have feet of clay. Which kingdom is eternal? God's kingdom. What's the next part of the vision? A stone sticks, hits the, the statue on the feet, shatters it to pieces, and a mountain grows and fills the whole earth. What was that mountain? The kingdom of God. What are mountains? Kingdoms. You go through the Psalms, you're going to hear things like, Oh, how the mountains skip for joy at the coming of Messiah. And maybe you picture in your mind that there's mountains and somehow they sprout legs and they start skipping across the horizon. But it's, remember I told you, signs flow all the way through the same what are the mountains kingdoms who's going to skip for joy the kingdoms of the earth when messiah when there's true justice when the king of kings rules and reigns in the only kingdom that will never ever end so we saw that in chapter two you guys are with me right and we get to chapter seven and now all those kingdoms are beasts and they picture similar kingdoms the first three are the same you got Babylon, you got Medo-Persia, and you got Greece. You've got, remember the lion with wings? Babylon. Then we had, which was the second one? Leopard's third, I think. Bear. So the bear, the bear, Medo-Persian Empire, higher on one side than the other. The Persians were greater than the Medes. And then you had the leopard. Remember four wings? He moved really fast, and he had four heads. What happened to Alexander when he died? Who took over? Four kings, and his kingdom was divided into four parts, right? So we see all that, but then all of a sudden we see a kingdom, different than all other kingdoms, right? This beast is gnarlier than every other beast. In fact, every other beast, he calls some real animal until the fourth one. And then he just calls it what? A beast. Now just think about what the Bible is telling us. Think about the kingdoms of men. The kingdoms of men, guy, are beastly. You study history. Who hasn't done somebody wrong? I mean, I know we always like to picture ourselves as the good guys, unless you ask the Indians, right? And then maybe we're not the good guys. What kingdom, even when we, we look at history and we see some oppressive kingdom going on, some government, and then what happens? A, a, a rebellion begins and they push out that oppressive government and then they set up their own government and what does that government become? Oppressive. Just takes time. They are all beastly, ghastly, scary, violent, horrific animals. That's what we are. Left to our own devices. Do we, get, we watch the news. Don't you, you watch the news and you think all those horrible things people do, that doesn't live inside of you? That you don't have that same ability? 
that you're not broken. You might be broken in a different way, folks, but we're all broke. And except for a couple of of poor decisions, that's all the further we are from those people. And that's hard for some people to understand, but the Bible sees us that way. God says all the children of mankind are under wrath. Under the wrath of God. Jesus in John chapter 3 said, I've come to save the world, not to condemn it. Why does he say that? He goes on to tell us, because you're already condemned. You're a bunch of animals. And so that's the picture in Daniel chapter 7. These animals, this, this vicious... And we, we, see it, we see our own world turning that way. To me, it's, it's, it's kind of horrific, the crazy things that are taking place. But then you have that last beast. Remember I told you, different than all other beasts. Different than every other beast. Look in uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. I think we got it on the thing, so it might pop up. This is what it says. And another sign appeared in heaven. Now remember I told you, the book of Revelation was written to us how? In signs, right? Why? Because language changes. But if I tell you Big Red Dragon was eating everybody, it doesn't matter what time you live in, you know that's not good, right? Okay, so what's it say in chapter 12, verse 3? Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, great fiery red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his head. So ultimately, we're going to see those seven diadems in chapter 13 are on each, are on the horns. And you'll understand why as we go through Daniel. Now, as we look at it, I just want you to see the beast of Daniel 7 and the beast here, the devil are the same. Same beast. Daniel's beast has one head. Why? Because he's only focused on the last kingdom. Represented by what? The last head, the seventh head, which has what on it? Ten horns. What did Daniel's beast have? One head, how many horns? Ten horns. Daniel's just focusing on one kingdom at a time. But in Revelation, we're looking at the devil. And the devil is saying, seven heads. And the Bible tells us those seven heads are seven mountains upon which the woman sits. What did I tell you mountains were? Kingdoms. Sitting on seven kingdoms. Seven kingdoms at what? Seven kingdoms. What The number seven, guys, throughout biblical typology, I hate to use that word, but numerology or whatever you want to look at, seven means completion. So when we talk about seven kingdoms, we can also be talking about what? All the kingdoms. What do all the kingdoms of mankind have in common? They're in rebellion against God. All of them. They may not start that way, but where do they end up? All you got to do is read the Bible. whole Old Testament is full of it. Israel getting right, Israel losing it. Israel getting right, Israel losing it. Do we see any different in the world? No. We don't see any different in the world. So the devil is symbolized by seven heads representing the kingdoms of mankind. And the final head is the last kingdom, the kingdom we're going to see in a moment of Antichrist, ten horns, One head, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So kind of keep the typology together as we work our way through. Revelation chapter 13 gives us some more information on the beast. And every time we talk about the beast, guess what he has? Seven heads, ten horns. Okay? Revelation 13, we talked about this last time. I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his horns, ten crowns. And on his head, blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. 
His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And who gave him power? The dragon gave him power. So you, I just want you to see, in this final beast that he's talking about, he has symbols of all the ones that went before. You remember the three other animals he talked about? The lion, the bear, the leopard. And doesn't he use those same terms here? He says he had feet like this one. You know, he, he gives us that description of how those kingdoms are kind of intermingled in this final kingdom. And all those kingdoms represent uh, mankind's rebellion against God, the government against God. There's only one government pro-God. That's when Jesus Christ is king. Until that time, it doesn't exist. We do, we, we, hopefully we try to do the best we can, but it just doesn't exist. And who gives, gives the beast authority? The devil. What did the devil look like? Seven heads, ten horns. What does this tool of the devil look like? Seven heads, ten horns. What does the Bible tell us? We become like the one we serve. Become like the one we serve. When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, what did he tell them? You are of your father the devil. Why? Because all you do is lie. And that's what he does. All you want to do is murder. And that's what he does. So they look like their father. So the symbolism, we have this beast looking the same. Now here, I know I lost some people uh, last time. I hope I don't lose you this time. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed and the world marveled and followed the beast. Now we all have, I don't know if we all have, but maybe we've read the Left Behind series or we've seen a variety of movies. You guys know that that's not theology, right? That's a movie. Uh, and no matter how good that book sounds and how much they try to get right, don't mean they got it all right. What I tell you the heads were? The seven heads are seven mountains upon which the woman sits. So mountains represent kingdoms. The, in fact, the Bible's going to tell us in a moment when we get to chapter 17 of Revelation that the heads are kingdoms. So we don't have to wonder what's happening. Well, what happens? One of the heads dies. And when that head dies, one of the seven heads dies, it says the beast dies. The beast dies. And then he comes back. Let's take a look at it. And the world will marvel. And when the world marvels at this kingdom that returns, what are they going to worship? The dragon. The dragon. Interesting. Who gave authority to the beast. The dragon who gave authority to the beast. The prince and the power of the air. The devil. The, 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 the great red dragon. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who can make war with him? And so often we look at that concept and we think he's talking about a person. He's talking about a kingdom. Haven't you ever heard people talk like that? Who can make war? We used to talk like that. Who can make war against us? We're the baddest guy on the block. Go ahead. We'll push a button and erase you. Right? Haven't we thought about that before? The idea is there's going to be this worship of, of the nation. Now, it says, And he was given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue 42 months. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Remember that. It's going to be important when we get to Revelation in eight weeks, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. He was given a mouth speaking great things. And then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. 
To blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. So we see the attitude. We see the concept of this kingdom that Daniel's seeing. The final kingdom. He's looking at the last kingdom that's going to be on earth before the return of Christ. And Revelation is telling us about the last kingdom that's going to be on earth before the return of Christ. Similar, we see the same things. Here's what the deal is. Mankind thinks it's a utopia. But the reality is, it's a dystopia. You guys know what a dystopia is? You guys ever seen things like the Hunger Games or... What's that other one like it that's out? Uh, huh? Divergent. Same thing. Those are dy- dystopic or dystopian novels. Which means they're a book written about a kingdom that thinks it's like this ultimate kingdom, but really there's all this dirty stuff going on. All, this ba- all these bad things happening. Evil is occurring. This is what the kingdom, the final kingdom of the world is going to be like. It's going to look great on the outside, but you st- start poking around on the inside and you realize, wow, this is it's all smoke and mirrors. You get what I'm saying? So... We, what do we know about it? We know that the, Satan gives this kingdom its power. We know that they worship Satan. They worship the beast. And it's going to continue for three and a half years. We know that he speaks blasphemies. Now let's look at Revelation chapter 17. I just want you to get a full picture of the beast. This beast that Daniel's talking about in Daniel chapter 7. In Revelation 17 it says, The beast you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit. And we'll go to perdition. So this is how it's going to happen. The beast was. How many heads did he have? Seven. One of those heads dies. The beast dies. But then he comes back. Right? But he's not going to stay in power, is he? He's going to go to perdition. It says, And all those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. So who's marveling on the earth? The people who aren't saved. Because this kingdom was going to be the end-all, beat-all. This was the solution to everything, man. This was going to solve all of our problems. Now it goes on and says, Here is the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. Remember, I just told you that, right? Seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. They also represent seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. Five are... One has fallen, uh, or one is, and, and the other has not come yet. And when he comes, he will continue a short time. And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth. So here's where I start losing people. So hang on. Here we go. Seven heads on the dragon have seven crowns. The seven crowns are all in the seventh head, the final kingdom. The beast who arose out of the sea. Seven heads, ten horns, all the crowns on a horn. Same, crit, same critter we're looking at. The beast that came out of the bottomless pit will go to perdition. So he doesn't remain. He doesn't keep his kingdom. It doesn't last. The beast uh, ceased to exist and then came back to life. The beast that was, is not, and yet is. A deadly wound was afflicted on one of his heads. And the seven heads represent seven kingdoms. There are seven kings. The word, the Greek word is Kai, Basilis, Hepta, Isin. Which can represent both kings or kingdoms. Five have fallen, one is. One hasn't come yet at the time when Revelation is written. So let's talk about the five who have fell. Stay with me. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece. When John wrote 
Revelation, five kingdoms have fallen. Egypt was gone. They were a power. Now they're not. Assyria was gone. They were a power. Now they're not. Babylon had fallen. Medo-Persia fell. That's where we find Daniel, right? Daniel's in there between Babylon and Medo-Persia. Medo-Persia had fallen. Greece had fallen. When John wrote Revelation, he wrote it in about 90, 95 AD, what kingdom ruled? Rome. Five have fallen. One is. Rome. And the next has not yet come. The sixth head is the head that receives the death wound. What happens to Rome? Rome pretty much just fades out of existence, right? I mean, it, it has battles. It loses. It slowly loses power. And, but, but Rome's still there. But the power of Rome just kind of fades away. Kind of fades away. What's going to happen? Life is going to get breathed back into that. Now keep in mind, the Roman Empire is bigger than Rome, right? You know the Roman Empire covered most of the planet. So... It could sprout up anywhere. It's just going to be a remnant of Rome. But when it comes back, it's going to have all this power. And it's going to come back based around ten rulers. Right? How many toes? Ten. How many horns? Ten. What do those horns represent? The kings that are going to come together for that final kingdom. And so they're going to... Who's going to give power to that kingdom? The devil is. And what are people going to do? They're going to worship the devil and they're going to worship that kingdom. Man, it's the greatest kingdom ever. Nobody will ever be able to defeat this kingdom. Nobody will ever be able to defeat this kingdom. That's kind of where we stop in Daniel. We come to that part. Now, if you, if you go back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, we look at the next verse. And hopefully the things start to build one upon another so that you can understand. So then in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, it says, And I considered the horns. So what's Daniel saying? I'm looking at the horns. And behold, there came up one among them, another horn, a little horn, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by their roots. And behold, this horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Now, hold on to that. So what happened? We're looking at the horns, a kingdom The seventh one isn't yet, but when it comes, it's built around ten kings, and everybody's going to worship because of this revival of this Roman Empire that has taken place. The devil's going to give it power. Everybody's going to worship the devil, worship the, 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 the kingdom and the power that that kingdom has. But as that kingdom is setting up the seventh kingdom, there's a little horn that's going to grow and take out three kings. And then it's going to grow bigger than all the others. And that single king is going to take over that final kingdom. And that single king has a name. We just don't know what it is. And please stop saying it's Obama or somebody like that. <laughs> just embarrassing when we do that. Well, what do you mean? Was Obama hasn't taken out three kings... There's not a conglomeration of ten kings in some kingdom that everybody's worshiping as the end-all, beat-all. We try to look around and say it's a European Union, it's this, it's that. We don't know what it is yet. We'll know when it comes. Until it comes, we don't know. Right? 
And there's a famous there's a famous number that everybody knows about. If you ask anybody if they know this number, everybody knows this number. In Revelation, it's the number of wisdom that helps us understand the name of the Antichrist. And his number is? 666. I don't want to disappoint you, but there's a textual variant with that. There's an argument on whether it's supposed to be 666 or 661. Oh, that'd mess it all up, wouldn't it? Oh, now, now, now I don't know. Yeah, the point is, as we, look at, as we look at Scripture, as we work our way through, um, the point is, God never tells us to look for the Antichrist. He tells us to look for Jesus Christ. Right? He tells us the end from the beginning so that we know that this is not always going to be like this. We're not always going to have these kingdoms set up the way that these kingdoms are set up. We're not always going to, we're not always going to see the chaos that we've seen. Jesus Christ is coming back to set up his kingdom. And that's what the scripture is talking about. So let's just think back about these, this, this little horn. I want to, I want to look at this section in Daniel because it kind of goes from the kingdoms to the, to the judgment of God, to the kingdoms, to the coming of Christ. Uh, and uh, and then ultimately to judgment. So I'm just going to take a whole section of scripture that just talks about the beast. You guys with me? Okay. So seven eight. Let's look at seven eight again. I consider the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Verse twenty of chapter seven. And about the ten horns that were on his head, and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell. The horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints, and prevailed over them. And then verse 23. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down, and break it to pieces. And as for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He will be different from the former ones, and he shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half time. Three and a half years. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion will be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. So as we look here in Daniel, I want you to notice five things that Daniel tells us about the little horn. Five things we're going to look at. First, his coming. Think about his coming. I understood the horns, and there came up among them another, a little horn. So his beginning will be small. It'll seem insignificant. There's a little horn. He doesn't quite measure up to the other horns. Nobody's going to recognize him as the beast or the Antichrist. He's not going to be having a pitchfork and horns. He's not going to look like what everybody thinks the Antichrist is going to look like. He's going to come, and he's going to... He's going to come on the scene in a small way. And then, the balance of power is going to change quickly. Suddenly, he's going to overturn three kings. 
Three horns are plucked up, pulled out by the roots. So he will quickly gather three other kings or kingdoms under his rule. And then his horn will grow to take power ultimately from that kingdom. That is what his coming looks like. His characteristics, the characteristics of this person. I considered the, that horn, his characteristics. One, he is a man. He had eyes like a man and a mouth to speak pompous things. He ha, he's a man. He's called in scripture the man of sin, the worker of lawlessness. In 2 Thessalonians 2.3, it says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition, man of sin, the worker of lawlessness. He's a man, the ruler, this little horn, who takes over this final kingdom. In Daniel chapter 9, he's called the prince who is to come. He has great speaking ability, right? He's able to speak pompous words. In, uh, in verse 20, remember when we read through verse 20, it says, um, he spoke great things. He spoke great things. It's going to be a, a good speaker. You know what it reminds me of? Remember, there's that similarity in the dragon, which represents Satan in chapter 12 of Revelation, and the beast in chapter 13 that the dragon gives power to. He speaks great things. It just makes me think of a serpent. Long time ago. In a perfect place. Who had just a way of spinning a tail to get you to do something you're pretty sure you should not have do. Yeah, he speaks great things. He's able to be a spin doctor, right? He works it out so people are, are, are willing to do things maybe they wouldn't do otherwise. And he appears greater than his contemporaries. It says in verse 20, he's greater. So there's something about him that makes him stand out from everybody else. I love this in comparison to Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ tells us in Isaiah, it says there's no form or comeliness that we would desire him. There's nothing in Jesus Christ that made him stand out above or beyond anyone else. But this man, this one, Jesus said, I came to my own, my own received me not. I came in my Father's name. Another will come in his own name, and him they will receive. This guy is going to stand up. I don't know if he's taller than everybody else, bigger than everybody else, but there is something physical makes him greater than everybody else around him. Most of the time when we see those charismatic world leaders, sometimes we wonder, why did people follow that guy? Right? You, you ever watch the old news uh, reports of Hitler and see all those people and wonder, how in the world did they all buy that? Man, he's a spin doctor. He's a spin doctor. He can say it. He can say it. And this guy, he's going to be greater than his contemporaries. But ultimately, what did we learn about him in Revelation? He's going to be empowered by who? Satan. Satan. The dragon's going to give him power. The dragon's going to give power to the kingdom, power to the king. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, an important section of scripture, especially for those who uh, are premillennialists, which I happen to be. If you don't know what that is, uh, ask me and I'll tell you. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. We ask you, brothers, do not be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or spoken word 
or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless a rebellion comes first. Oh, we've, we've read this verse, right? The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So Paul taught these things to Thessalonica somewhere around 58 A.D. Revelation's written somewhere around 90 to 95. Paul had already told them about this man of sin, this little horn. One of the ways that we're going to recognize him is going to one day sit in the Holy of Holies within the temple of God and proclaim himself to be God. Now, that's how we'll know who he is. Not by what kind of formula we can come up with about the name. But there's a problem with that, isn't there? If you come with us to Israel, what's missing? Ah, there's no temple. There's no temple. Isn't it interesting that when you speak to the Jews, especially at the Temple Institute, and you ask them, now that the temple records have been destroyed, the temple's been burnt, nobody can point back and say, I'm a son of David. All those genealogies are lost. At 70 AD, they're all gone. How will you recognize your Messiah? Do you know what they say? He'll build the temple. He'll bring peace to Israel. He'll build the temple. He'll bring peace. Why does that matter? Daniel chapter 9. Remember I told you the prince who is to come is the title of the Antichrist? What does it say he'll do? He'll make peace with the nation of Israel for seven years. He'll make peace. The idea, we can't prove it or point to it. That same guy's going to give him the ability to rebuild the temple. He can't do it now. There'd be a war. There's this dome in the middle of the Temple Mount. You guys heard of that place, right? The Dome of the Rock. The Dome of the Rock. It's sitting there, right? Right where a lot of people think the temple goes. I don't think that's where the temple goes. There's a little tiny dome a ways away from that that's in perfect alignment with the Golden Gate. They call it, nobody knows why, they call it the Dome of the Spirits. Dome of the Spirits? And you say, why do they call it that? I don't know. But you won't get a Jewish guide to take you to it. The Jewish guide would say, nope, I'm not walking around up there. How come? Because they think that's the Holy of Holies. And if that's the Holy of Holies, you could build the temple next to the Dome of the Rock. Wouldn't that be a good way for a guy to make peace in the Middle East? Provide opportunities for both factions to be able to worship only somewhere down the line, according to Daniel chapter 9, in the middle of the seven years, in the middle of the peace treaty, to sit down on the throne of God in the Holy of Holies and say, I'm God. That's the thing that Paul said, this is how you're going to know this guy. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, and the, and the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. And bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawlessness is by the activity of Satan. Who empowers him? 
Satan does. With all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception of those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. What it say in Romans 1? What separates believer from unbeliever? The suppression of the truth. It's not that people don't know God, it's that they won't worship Him as God. Romans 1 says every man knows God because God has shown Himself to them. What does it say in Thessalonians? Why will they be be deceived? Why will they follow the beast? Because they don't love the truth. They love the lie. Jesus said, I came in my Father's name and they would not receive me. Another will come in his own name, and him they're going to receive. That's the one they want to follow. That's the one they will chase down. And Revelation 13, 2 through 4 says, and the, I saw the beast like a leopard, its feet like a bear, its mouth like a lion. And to it the dragon gave his power, throne, and authority. So what's, what did we say about this, this? his characteristics? He's empowered by Satan. So he's a man with great speaking ability. He appears somehow greater than his contemporaries, and ultimately, he's empowered by Satan. The third thing we want to see in that section is his conflict. Who does he have conflict with? Several times it tells us, right? The saints of the Most High. The saints of the Most High. God's people. I looked, and this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Verse 25. He will speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Revelation 13, 5-7. The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months, three and a half years. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, His name and His dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. So there's going to be conflict against God's people with this guy. With this world leader. He's going to make war against the saints. And he's going to prevail. Why? Because God's given it to him. God's given him that authority. Now I just want you to think about that. Let's turn that for a moment. Rather than looking at the future, let's just look at now. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What's the next phrase? Go, therefore. See, that guy is going to have authority from Satan, and God's going to let him have his day. But your day's now. You get that? Jesus has given you authority now. Jesus has given you power now. Now, all authority has been given so that we can accomplish what God is asking us to do. And Daniel, we go on to the fourth thing, his control. What does he control? Well, he's going to speak words against the Most High. He's going to make decisions to try to change times and law. Going to change times and law. I don't know what that's going to look like. I know laws change all the time, huh? We got goofy, crazy laws. We got fights raging between our president and and other states over who's going to use what bathroom. Is that not stupid? I didn't know that was broke and needed fixed. 
I'm not trying to make some social statement when I go to the bathroom. I'm trying to get in and out as quick as I can. I don't want to hang out in the public bathroom. Anybody else? Man, I just, I, you know, I'm so excited. This, this week we got to go to Boise, and every time we do, we go to Cabela's, and the first thing I want to do in Cabela's is go in the bathroom and worry about which one I'm supposed to use? Not so stupid. Are you meaning to tell me there's nothing else going on in the world that we need to focus on? But who gets to use what bathroom? It's crazy. Well, I don't know. It says this, this guy, and I'm not saying this is Obama, but this guy, he's going to try to control time and the law. These are things he's looking to change. And the duration of his power is going to be how long? Three and a half years. Time, times, and a half time. What's going to be his end? His conclusion. But the court will sit in judgment and his dominion will be taken away. Who gives him dominion? Who gives dominion to every one of those kingdoms? The Bible tells us that every kingdom, every king is raised up by God. He gives authority. If God doesn't give his go, you don't get to be king. You don't get to be a nation. You don't be a country. God gives it all. He gives authority. He, he said to Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold, and I made you that. God raises up kings and take down kingdoms. But the, the governments of men don't follow God. The governments of men follow Satan. Which simply means they're in opposition to God. If God said go to the right, where are they going to go? Left. If God said go up, where are they going to go? Down. If God says it's good, what are they going to say? It's evil, right? Woe to you when you call good evil and evil good. Light darkness and darkness light. So these, these kingdoms, they're, 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 they're not serving the Lord, but they're established by God. They're established by God. That's what the Bible tells us. So then God's also able to say, yeah, your time's up. He's going to give the, the devil the opportunity to give authority to the beast, to the Antichrist, to this final kingdom, and to have their way for a while. But not permanent. And on a day, God's going to say, that's it. This far, no further. This is the end. And we have a beautiful picture for, of that painted for us in Scripture. Look at the appearance of the Father. We're going to look at Daniel 7, 9 through 12. Daniel 7, 9 through 12. It says, And as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His, his throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. And a thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. What's that a picture of? Judgment, right? Judgment. Whenever we look at fire in the Bible, fire is judgment. Judgment. When I say, God, I want your fire to burn in me, I want. God. where does judgment begin? In the house of God, where does revival begin? In me. I need a fire of God burning all the garbage out of me. Burn all that stuff out. 
He says that the refiner's fire, he'll make us purer than pure gold, right? <clears throat> pure gold. So this is God preparing judgment. Preparing judgment to judge the kingdoms of men. This is the end of the rule. The end of the reign. The beginning of a kingdom that will never end. Or the beginning of that kingdom never ending uh, here with with Jesus uh, ruling and reigning. But what happens first is the judgment of the nations. The books are open. In fact, we see a, a similar picture at the great white throne judgment. Everybody heard of the great white throne judgment? The great white throne judgment is that final judgment. All the dead and the living, all of Hades will be poured out. All of the, those in the sea will be poured out. Every man, great and small, will pass before the great white throne judgment of God. Two judgments spoken of in Scripture, primarily. Two judgments, personal judgments. One is the Bema seat, judgment of Christ, the mercy seat. The mercy seat, the second, is the great white throne. One of them has mercy in the name. That's the judgment you want to be at. The other one doesn't have mercy, has justice. Okay, what do I mean? So you come to the... I got time. You, you come to the... I'm never going to finish Daniel. You come to the, you come to the judgment seat of Christ. I just want to, I want to paint a picture for you, okay? This is somewhat faulty. Okay. Uh, anyways, you come to the judgment seat of Christ, and you're standing. Let's say you're standing before, you know, Peter at the pearly gates. Okay, everybody, get what I mean? Peter's not really at the pearly gates, but are you with me? We, we can understand the picture, so otherwise the story is lamer if I don't do that. So, St. Peter's at the pearly gates, and you walk up to him, and it's like, okay, I got your file here, Jackie, let me open up your file. Whoa, dude! I don't think you're at the right place. It's in this file, you, you're a dirtbag. Man, I'm, look at these things you said, and the things you thought, and the things you did. Man, this is crazy. Uh, okay, well, so God's requirement for you is perfection. Uh, you don't make it. And about that time, Jesus comes walking up. And he puts his arm around my shoulder and he says, Hey, hey, this is one of my kids. This is one of those who put faith and trust in me. Oh, oh, oh Lord, Lord, absolutely. You know, you, you can obviously speak for him. And right behind Simon Peter is this thing you've got to stand on. You've got to climb up on the scale and be weighed whether or not you're worthy to go in. Whether or not you're worthy to be accepted into the kingdom of God. And so Simon Peter says to me, Jackie, get on the scale. And Jesus puts his hand on me and says, no. You don't go on the scale. I do. And then Jesus stands on the scale for me. Which makes me perfect. Because he is the one measured, not me. That's the beam of seat judgment. You guys get what I'm saying? And the Bible tells us that not only will, will God, who is our justification, our sanctification, our glorification, all that we need wrapped up in us, not only is he all those things, but then he also says he's going to take all the things we've done in this life, and he's going to cause it to pass through the fire. What did I tell you fire was? Always a symbol of judgment. 
And he says, the, the things that we do is going to pass through the fire. And everything that was selfish, lame, God knows your heart, dude. You, you don't get away with nothing. You fool me, kudos to you. But you ain't going to fool God. And when you stand that day, he's going to take all the things you've done, all the things you did for the body of Christ, all the things you did for the poor, all the ways you might have visited those who were in jail, all the things that Jesus talks about, right? When you did these unto the least of these, you've done them unto me. You guys remember what I'm talking about? He's going to take all that and it's going to pass through the fire and all the garbage burns away. And the only thing that's left is your reward. And he gives it to you. And you might say, I don't really care. Well, the next thing that happens is me falling on my face, giving all that back to him. And on that day, I don't want to have empty hands. And it's not nothing I did anyway. If I get anything, if there is a single reward for me when I stand before Christ, it will be because of him anyway. But I have to make myself available. That's the Bema Seat judgment. The great white throne judgment, that looks different. That looks different. Let's read it. Let's read it. It's, it's written for us in Revelation 20. Verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and whom who, who sat on it, from his presence the earth and the sky fled away. Whoa! That's a powerful fellow, right? And there was no place found for them. So there's no heaven, no earth. It's gone. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Listen to this phrase, and the books were open. that sound familiar? We just read that in Daniel, right? The, the Ancient of Days sitting on his throne, looking over mankind, and the books are open. The books are open. The book of deeds, the book of remembrance. The Bible talks about several kinds of books, but there's one book that's more important than them all. What's it? Lamb's Book of Life. Why? Because that's where our names are written. Those who belong to Jesus Christ. And so he's going to open up the books. And he's going to judge them according to what's written in the books. According to what they had done. And the sea will give up the dead. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That is a real hell. A lot of other places the Bible talks about hell. All it's talking about is the grave. You're dead. The great white throne judgment hasn't happened yet. Satan's not in hell. Satan's tooling around earth doing whatever he wants to do. Judgment day hasn't come. But there will be a judgment day. And that's that picture that Daniel's painting for us. He's painting for us a picture. And what else did he say? Thousands and thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands of people are praising God. Who's that? His saints. That's his saints. That's you and me. That's believers. We're standing before him because we went to the Bema Seat judgment. Remember? Two judgments. We went to the Bema Seat judgment and we were found righteous based on Christ's righteousness. Not because of anything we did. And we enter in. But those who come to the great white throne judgment, there's no pass out of that judgment. Everybody that stands at that judgment goes to the lake of fire. 
Tartarus. That's the second death. That's the second death. The Bible talks about it being eternal. Eternal. So we had, I just want, get the picture of Daniel 7. We had the beast representing all the kingdoms, beastly, but there's one kingdom at the end that's got this leader. And we talked about that leader, right? The way he's going to come on the scene, what he's going to look like, the things he's going to do. But that's not the end of it. The leader don't get nothing by it because God's going to set up his throne and he's going to judge all the world. Right? You with me? And then after he judges, what's he do next? Well, then he sets up his kingdom. Look at that picture. The establishing of God's kingdom in Daniel 7. And I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him before him. And then to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages would serve him. The Bible says when Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom, what will happen? Every knee will, every tongue, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's exactly what he's picturing. One like the Son of Man. This is the Son of God. Like the Son of Man. He, he, he came in the likeness of mankind. That's what it tells us in Philippians chapter 2. And he comes to the Ancient of Days. Now I think that occurs he, at, at the Ascension. You have the beginning of this. The Ascension, Jesus Christ coming. And he's just waiting for God to say, now go. Take your kingdom. But there's a time for man's kingdoms to run their the end of their deal. And we're a mess. Right? I'm not saying that we don't ever, there's nothing ever good that happens, but, but we're a mess. Let me wrap it up for you. In verse 18 it says, The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom, possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. So how long does God's kingdom last? That's a long time, right? It says in verse 22, Until the Ancient of Days comes, and judgment was made in the favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Remember Jesus said, The meek shall inherit the earth. Then the kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole of heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Every knee will, every tongue, Jesus Christ is. Yeah, that's right. On that day, all that stuff's over. All that stuff will be done. The glorious, earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ. So it gives us, Daniel's just painting us a kind of an overview, right? Of all the kingdoms of man, beastly kingdoms, not so great. One final kingdom that's going to come to the earth right before God judges the nation. Jesus Christ comes and rules and reigns for a thousand years in his kingdom. And the saints will inherit part of what God has called us to. Now, it's time to go. I got a couple more verses. I just want to read you, okay? I'm not going to build on Daniel 7 no more. So you can go, okay. I don't know if I got that. But do your best. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 14 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness. But He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with a fervent heat. The earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? Since this is in our kingdom, what manner of person ought we to be? And then he answers, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. What should we be doing? He says, hastening the coming of the day of God. Looking for, looking for the return, and hastening it. How do we hasten it? Well, it says he's long-suffering, waiting that for everybody who's going to get saved to get saved. How do you think you hasten it? Remember what he said? All authority has been given me in heaven and earth, so do what? Go, therefore. And do what? Share the gospel. This world's in need of the gospel. Only people without the gospel don't know what bathroom to go in. Only people without the gospel are confused about who they are. Only people without the gospel are confused about, about their gender, are confused about sin, are confused about all those things. Why? Because they haven't surrendered to the gospel. It is all a gospel issue. What's the church supposed to be doing? Taking the gospel. That was the only commission that Jesus gave us. Listen to verse 17 and 18, last two verses. So you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness and be led away into the error of the wicked. Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. What do we do with all this information? Look, don't get lazy. Don't throw up your hands and say, oh, God, just get me out of here. But realize, he's given us all a talent. And we'll give account. What'd you do with it? Don't bury it in the backyard. Let your light shine. Let the truth of the gospel flow until the day we see Jesus Face to face. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.